Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to our show, number 941. Here's hoping everybody enjoyed the fireworks on the 4th. On last week's show, we refrained from raining on anybody's pyrotechnics parade and avoided pointing out the perils of pyrotechnics. But let's face it, although most humans love fireworks, birds not so much, especially those still nesting in early July, like goldfinches, for example, and other species attempting a second brood, as well as shorebirds nesting in the summer. Some places that shoot off fireworks for the 4th have moved the action to Labor Day as a result of nesting activity. The latest we've heard about was right here in our home state of Massachusetts, where the town of Amesbury postponed their fireworks to Labor Day weekend to protect endangered bobolinks, which were found nesting in the area. Of course, no matter when the fireworks go up, they also come down in the form of trash, including plastic trash, especially in mind here in the second week of plastic-free July. We talked about that last week, by the way. Please check out last week's show with our guest about plastic-free July. So that's why some places are moving away from fireworks altogether and now creating displays made by drones. Seems like an idea worth exploring, except for one thing. With drones, at least with the current technology, you don't get this. The sound exciting for uh, lots of humans, but bad for birds. So we'll stay tuned about that. Well, how about an audio postcard? We have a short and sweet one here from a Talking Birds ambassador in the great state of New York. Here's Joanna. Hey, Ray. Ambassador Joanna Ferreira here, Nassau, New York. I'm new at uh, this. And although I can't call out the bird names, I want to share. Happy birding. Thank you, Joanna, and thanks to that northern cardinal with you there, and maybe an American goldfinch I thought I heard in the background. Thanks for that audio postcard. We have room for more. Just uh, get your smartphone or digital recording device. Go out and look at some birds and describe what you're seeing. Make a little file and send it to us. Ray at TalkingBirds.com is the address. Ray at TalkingBirds.com. We're standing by with assistance if you uh, need any in the meantime. What we have here now is our mystery bird and the preview of our mystery bird contest with great prizes awaiting a little bit later on in the show. A little description of our bird this morning. A very, very long-tailed bird. A bird that we don't see up in the northeast or much of the northern part of the U.S. Very often, it is a wanderer from way down in the tropics. A truly spectacular 
long-tailed bird. We have more clues around here somewhere, which we'll get to when we do the actual contest in just a, a little bit. Our mystery bird contest coming along a bit later in the show. And we love to salute our Talking Birds ambassadors. Folks are helping us do what we're trying to do, which is to spread the word about the wonder of birds and the vital importance of conservation. And we want to thank Dr. Linda Badillo, Linda B. Badillo from Tarpon Springs, Florida. She says she just recently started listening to the show, likes the birding and conservation aspects of the show. So thank you, Dr. Linda. Thank you, Jessica Melowitz from Houston, Texas. He's kind enough to tell us that Houston Audubon loves us. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica. And we love Houston Audubon, too, for sure. Now, here's another Talking Birds ambassador explaining why he became one, inspired in part by the words of a conservation-minded former U.S. president. My name is Tim Griffith, and I'm calling from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I decided to become a Talking Birds ambassador because one of the things that I always live by is a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that says that your love of nature is only half served unless you share it with others. And that's exactly what Ray Brown's Talking Birds does. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. And still to come on our show today, we'll talk with a man who gained inadvertent fame when he was, in effect, birding while black in Central Park. Christian Cooper will be with us to talk about his new book and his new National Geographic TV series. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for an almost live from the archive edition of Let's Ask Mike. And up next, we're heading in a southwest direction again this week to meet up with a cotton-topped featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine, for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Kentucky You are the dearest land outside of heaven to There are lots of nice things about Kentucky, including fine bourbon, a pretty good horse race, and today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Geophlopus formosa, the Kentucky warbler. Like a good Kentucky woodsman might do, this small forest bird sports prominent sideburns down the side of its yellow face, black sideburns, with a matching black mask. Its underparts are entirely yellow, and its back and wings are a uniform olive green with no wing bars or tail spots. Our bird, which can be found in breeding season in most of the eastern half of the U.S., stays near the ground, searching for insect prey by rummaging through leaf litter and scratching with its feet. Despite its striking color pattern, it's a bird that's more often heard than seen, singing like this. The Kentucky Warbler was discovered and named in 1811 
by noted ornithologist Alexander Wilson as he traveled through the state on his bird-catching expedition through the South. Like so many other songbirds now, Kentucky warbler populations are decreasing and the bird is at risk of becoming threatened or endangered without conservation action. Want to help? Join a good conservation-minded group like the American Bird Conservancy, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the American Birding Association, or your local Audubon Society. The Kentucky Warbler, Geothlipus formosa. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Kentucky. Welcome again to our show number 942. I think it's number 942. I'm pretty sure about that. Once in a while we get those numbers mixed up by one or two, so we'll, we'll confirm later. Christian Cooper is the author of a remarkable new book that's both a very candid memoir and a book filled with birding observations and advice. It's called Better Living Through Birding, Notes from a Black Man in the Natural World. He's also the host of the new bird-themed National Geographic TV series, Extraordinary Birder. And he joins us now to talk about those things and more. Good morning, Christian. Hey, Ray. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, indeed. You know, we talked before about the name of the of the book there, and maybe the connection, the distant connection to Dupont Chemical back from back in the days when they had that phrase. They're better living through chemistry, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, the the title just popped into my head and it stuck. Um, but I, I'm sure that's where it originally came from in my head. You know, I remembered that that old slogan. Indeed. Well, the world came to know you in 2020 when you were birding in Central Park, New York. You asked a white woman to leash her dog in a mandatory leash area of the park. And she responded by phoning the police to say she was being threatened by an African-American man. She was later arrested, if I'm not mistaken, for filing a false police report, and she lost her job, and here you are. I'll follow that up by referencing, Christian, another interview in which you were asked why you didn't press charges against the woman, who also happened to be named Cooper, and you said that you wish you'd had a better answer. What, what is your answer about that? Well, I mean, you know, the answer I've been been telling people a lot, and it's true, is that, you know, I was very conflicted about whether or not to participate in her prosecution. It was never up to me. It was up to the DA as to whether or not the DA wanted to prosecute. But I declined ultimately to participate just because, you know, I felt like her life had imploded. I figured if someone could look at that and not get the message, then, you know, they were no law was going to or prosecution was going to give them the message. But there's a better answer, a more important answer, which is that, you know, focusing on her is a distraction. Um, it's not about her. It's uh, we should be focused on the things that matter. And that, and what came out of that incident was the bias. That's what's important to focus on, that bias that runs through our society that affects a lot of people and black people, um, brown people when we enter the outdoors um, and makes it harder for us to participate in the birding that we all love. That's what we should focus on. And that bias crops up in a lot of ways in our mm-hmm. society, including later that same day when that bias caused a police officer, a white police officer to kneel on George Floyd's neck until that man was dead. Mm-hmm. So that's what we should be focusing on, how that bias uh, bu- uh, bubbles up in our society um, in more significant ways and how we can all take a part in addressing that. Mm-hmm. Well, among other things, this event in Central Park led to something that's become a big annual event, Black Birders Week. 
How did that uh, come apart? Uh, come about? Uh, it, it, yeah, that was that was sort of a surprise to me. Uh, that same year, right away, a bunch of uh, uh, black scientist organ, uh, scientists organized uh, that event. And it was shocking to me just how many of us there are now. <laughs> There's uh, our numbers have grown and continue to grow. And that's one of the things I hope with the show is that, you know, with a black person at the head of, a, you know, a big birding show, that hopefully a lot of black and brown kids will look at that and you know it's you can imagine doing something if you can see other people doing it and so hopefully they'll look at that and say hey maybe this birding is something i should look into indeed we'll take a uh, we'll take a look at that coming right up or, or talk about it so birding christian's been a big part of your life since you were quite young and you in the book talk about how as a gay birder this is kind of an aside i guess you made that birding saved you uh in a way can you talk about that just a little bit Sure. Um, you know, I, I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm 60. And I grew up uh, in a very conservative environment in uh, the 70s, when, you know, gay issues were not yet a thing. Um, I knew from a very young age, like the age of five, that I was gay. So I, you know, sort of bottled it all up. I knew not to talk about it, kept it quiet but that was really difficult um the metaphor i always liken it to was like it was like being buried alive Mm. um and so birding and getting outdoors into nature was a way for me to get out get outside of that coffin and outside of my own head for a little while you know where you're just focused on your problems and instead if you're birding you're not only in nature and getting you know all that wonderful stuff that the wild can give you, but you're also focused on trying to find on to trying to find a particular kind of motion to lock you onto the bird. You're focused on listening for particular sounds, and when you do that, you can't be trapped in your own head, worrying about your own woes and all this stuff. You know, for at least a little while, those woes fall away, and you are connected to the wild world. And that is so healing and so beneficial. Um, So that helped me a lot. And I think that that's true for anybody, no matter what problems you may be dealing with at any given moment. You know, getting outside and birding is a great way to just have those fall away, at least for a little while, and recognize that you're connected to this whole big, wide, wonderful, natural world. With the short time we have, uh, we don't have time to really delve into this, but you also say in the book that George Lucas saved you. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave that for folks reading the book, <laughs> which is certainly most uh, most worth doing. You also offer us a great way to describe what we like about birds when people ask us that. You have the seven pleasures of birding, and it's a beautiful overview of the reasons, the beauty, the joy of a natural setting, the joy of collecting, puzzle solving, and all of that, the unicorn effects when you see a creature that previously only existed in your imagination. Um, I wonder if we have time to just have you read this one little piece that talks about really the beauty and the imagination. When you try to describe a Blackburnian warbler, you say, how do you describe the presence of a creature that can take you outside yourself to a most exalted place? Could you read your own answer to that? Sure, and just as a little backdrop, um, the this I, I this popped into my head is the only way I could express how I felt after a close encounter with a Blackburnian at maybe arm's length and eye level that sat there for about five minutes belting out its song. 
The sun, after a day looking down on the incredible array of life across the globe, arrived in the West so moved by all that it had seen that as it turned orange and sank toward the horizon, it began to weep tears of joy. Those flaming tears fell from the sky and briefly formed a lake of fire, and one small bird that had flown a vast distance to see the miraculous fire lake landed at its shore exhausted. Overcome with thirst, it looked at the burning liquid of the lake and thought, such a gift should not go ignored, and the brave bird took a drink. From that moment on, the fiery liquid lodged in its throat so that now it glows with the color of the setting sun. And when the fire throat sings, the last note slides high as the fire rises to try to return to the sky. And the joy of the sun at a world full of life is once more known to all of those who look and listen. Beautiful, only a myth uh, doing justice to the Blackburnian warbler. We're almost out of time, Christian, but before we go, please tell us briefly about your wonderful new National Geographic TV show, Extraordinary Birder. I've seen the first episode already, and it's terrific. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, it, it is tremendous fun. I get to go around the country and look at birds and tell people about it and bring the story of amazing birders, scientists, conservationists who are doing everything they can to protect our birds and save them and bring that to a large audience. And that is fabulous. We go to a, a different location in each of the six episodes from Hawaii to Puerto Rico to Alabama. And we just delve into the birds, but not only the, the, the interesting birds in that place, but the birds and the people issues and how, the, how that's bad, good and bad and how we can all do better by the birds. Mm -hmm. So that, that's tremendous fun for me. National Geographic TV show, Extraordinary Birder. Christian Cooper, in addition to his new television work, is the author of the compelling new book, Better Living Through Birding, Notes from a Black Man in the Natural World. Christian, thank you for your great work, and good luck on page and screen. Thanks a lot, Ray. Christian Cooper with us here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, you don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. I believe we found those extra clues and further details about our mystery bird and our mystery bird contest. You're hearing the sound of the bird there. Our bird is a wanderer from the tropics that manages to show up pretty frequently in North America, especially in the northeastern states and southeast Canada, probably due to major migration mistakes. Our bird's upper parts are gray. The underparts are white, and it's black on the wings and on the long forked tail, which in the males is more than twice as long as its body, for a total length of about 14 and a half inches. 
Its head is black with a contrasting white throat, and its dark bill is employed in catching insects in the air or plucking them from vegetation. Clues in the sound of our mystery bird. We have from Brome Bird Care is a beautiful prize, a Brome Squirrel Buster, standard feeder, truly squirrel-proof thanks to its weight-adjustable closing mechanism, and it features proven seed saver technology, a patented seed tube ventilation system, and a chew-proof seed tray. Plus, we have a big bag of our favorite coffee. It's bird-friendly, shade-grown, delicious birds and beans coffee, grown in the tropics in such a way to preserve the environment for the birds that we love. And those are the prizes on the Mystery Bird Contest. And the big thing is the phone number and the urgency to call it as soon as you can. So we'll have time. 781-837-4900 is that number. 781-837-4900. We like to say one of the beauties of our contest is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer to win. If no one gets the right answer, a drawing will determine our winner. So give it a try. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor, almost live from the archive. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Have you ever dreamed of owning a bookstore? Beauty of Books, a fixture in the birding community for over 50 years, is for sale. With our unique blend of high-tech and old-fashioned customer service, Beauty of Books has remained successful and strong. This thriving business offers the largest selection of new, used, and rare bird books in the world and needs only a new owner who's passionate about birds and books. If you or someone you know would like more information, contact us at customerservice at beautyobooks.com. Thanks. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. Down on sunny Cape Cod, it's Mike O'Connor, Bird Watchers General Store, here with our Let's Ask Mike Live segment for this morning. Good morning, Mike. Oh, good morning, Ray. Hey, nice segment on the crows and ravens. I had that same experience here in town a few weeks ago, and I understand that. I said, why are the crows attacking? And ravens are big, uh, are rare here, and I was surprised when the raven took off and the crows went after it, and now Ben filled me in, so that was very interesting. Yeah, so. it is pretty fascinating, and as he said, you can sometimes get mixed up between crows and ravens when you see them together. Ravens are quite a bit bigger, but they still look pretty pretty similar similar yeah they have that crazy voice that that made it easy yeah yeah okay well anyway we we just uh, mentioned about uh, birds possibly getting sunburn i hadn't thought about birds getting sunburn before but is that a thing well yeah i thought i thought it was a thing uh, last week remember i've been talking about these fly catchers in a, in a in a box that i have and i face this box particular box faces east and i always tell people you know face box any way you want and the sun streams in in the morning, and I have this camera in there, and I could see these birds just kind of baking in the sun. And I thought, mm. these guys are going to get sunburned because my relatives are from Ireland, so I know all about <laughs> sunburn. And so I thought, oh, this is a bad idea. I should move that box. So, but then I looked up online, 
and I found uh, uh, this uh, biologist from the Oregon State University had discovered a substance that other creatures have, like uh, reptiles and fish. And I don't know if I'm saying the name of the substance right, but it's, it looks like it's called uh, God Goddessol or some name like that. But it's a substance that these ber- creatures produce. To protect them from sunburn, that protect them from the UV rays. So then, then you start thinking about birds like vultures and condors and turkeys that all have bald heads, and they also don't have a see. You know, they're out there in the sun all the time, and and they're hmm. kind of protected from it. So it seems like birds have evolved a way of protecting themselves. So I didn't have to go out and move my box or worry about the baby birds getting too much sun. Um, or more disappointing, I thought I was going to be able to sell a product, um, you know, like Carpetone for Cardinals and make some money on that. <laughs> but I don't have to do that after yeah. all. So there goes that big scheme that I thought. Maybe but you I could, thought it was really interesting. Maybe you could connect with the scientists about this. They might, you know, they might find a way to, you know, use the, what the birds have for products for humans. Well, I guess that's the next step, isn't it? Yeah. yeah mammals yeah. have seen, mammals typically go out at night, and so, or they've grown extra fur, and they've come up with all these alternatives because that particular, part, at least from what I've read, I'm still not an expert, but they, it seems like they've kind of lost that product in their, uh, in their genes. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, you know, and certainly when you get to Ireland, everybody's lost that product in their genes. <laughs> Listen, I know you want to get right on to this research idea and make a couple of million on that, so we'll let you go until next week. All right, yeah, when I get the million, I'll give you a call. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. That sound there, that bird sound uh, is a clear indicator that we're back here to our mystery bird contest, trying to identify this mystery bird, which is a wanderer from the tropics that manages to show up pretty frequently in North America, especially in the Northeast. Our bird's upper parts are gray, the underparts are white. It's black on the wings and on the long forked tails tail, which in the male, well, you could say tails, I guess. In the male, that's more than twice as long as its body. That tail is, that is. What is that mystery bird? 781-837-4900 is the number. And Michael is with us from, I guess we could have two nicknames for this state as far as I know. The North Star State and the land of 10,000 lakes. That would be Minnesota. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Ray. How's it going? Going well. Do you prefer one of those two uh, nicknames or some other for Minnesota? I mean, I always grew up knowing it more as the land of 10,000 lakes. Yeah. And are you still bummed out about the Lakers uh, in Los Angeles taking your nickname there? That would. No, no, I'm more interested in birds than sports. <laughs> okay. In that case, we'll move on again to the Mystery Bird Contest. And what do you say that uh, bird is, Michael? My guess is a fork-tailed flycatcher. That is sounds like more than a guess, and it sounds like a pretty clear answer. Yeah, absolutely correct. Fork-tailed flycatcher. Have you seen one up there in Minnesota? <laughs> I have not seen one in Minnesota, but my friend who got me into birding, Joe, lives in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Space with him if he's never seen one since he's an avid birder. Yeah, the only place up north I've seen one was on beautiful Cape Cod. That was quite... 
quite a few years ago. Fork-tailed flycatcher is correct. Michael, thank you so much. If you'll stay on the line there, we'll turn you over to Jesse, and he will uh, send you those beautiful prizes or arrange for them. Thanks, Ray. All right. Thank you, Michael, there in Minnesota, correctly identifying the fork-tailed flycatcher. What do you call a group of flycatchers? A swatting or a zapper or a zipper or an outfield of flycatchers. So the uh, possibilities. I think we're out of time for our show this morning. In fact, I'm pretty sure that we are. Uh, next week's show, we're working on right now. We have a very special guest tentatively lined up, and uh, we'll explain that as we go along. Watch our Facebook pages and Instagram, and we'll be explaining all of that uh, and on our website as well before next week's show. That website, of course, TalkingBirds.com. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The bird show. I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.